Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. Mick and Serena and Fanula join us once again. Good afternoon to you all. Hi guys. How are you all? Well? Good day. <laughs> Fanula, you were away for two weeks, but you weren't out. You were working, so. I was, yeah. yeah. Under the cover of darkness. Yeah, okay. I'm back with lots of goss. Under so. the cover of darkness? Yeah. Okay, so you were burgling people's homes yeah. over the last two weeks. Well, good. Glad to hear that you uh, got away with that. Uh, so, uh, Serena, the many saints of New York, uh, people, this is now precious territory that mm-hmm. you're you're going to be handling and I, I, you know, there might be a lot of rage. If, I'm nervous. I'm yeah. actually nervous. I told Fanula before I, you know, usually I like to look at a couple of other reviews to see what other people are saying. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going anywhere near them because I'm not going to let myself be clouded. And I'm also not going to get really nervous around this. Um, Sopranos fans have been really excited because this is basically the origin story. Who would have thought that we'd be talking about origin stories for Tony Soprano? But that's what has happened here. And we get to find out what's going on in how he became who he is if that makes sense yeah or it's it, well is it how he bec- is how he got involved in the mob or how he how became he got- the sort of person no. he is rather than because i assume the mob thing was there anyway no so oh. that's the interesting well he was he was part of a mob family but is it a spoiler See, I'm really nervous when I'm talking about this as well because I don't want to give anything away because yeah. people get really upset if you say something like you spoiled it but i mean there are there are significant characters in the soprano who are quite vile individuals and maybe we see some explanation as have they got to be so vile? Not or? really, right? So we do hear about Tony Soprano, obviously, his mother. And in The Sopranos, he used to talk about Uncle Dickie a lot. He's yeah, the guy yeah. that um, influenced him. So it's all about Uncle Dickie's uh, story. So you actually get to see the man. Um, and you also hear about the, the birth of Christopher. And when you know what happened to Christopher yeah, yeah. in The Sopranos, you sort of sit there watching going, oh, it all started so lovely. Right, yeah. And uh, is Ray Liotta Uncle Dickie or is he somebody else? He's not. He's somebody else. Yeah. Um, he plays Dickie's dad, actually. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so he, he's in it. Can I just say from, from the start, I thought Ray Liotta was terribly underused. Right, okay. Ray Liotta was on the shortlist for the role of Tony Soprano. In the uh, original uh, Sopranos, but didn't get it. Yeah, and I can understand why. Like, yeah, I think yeah. Ray Liotta's great, but come on, after you see James Gandolfini being ah, Tony yeah, Soprano. Yeah. And can I just say, his son plays Tony, young Tony, Michael yeah. Gandolfini. That is, re- I think they took a gamble with that. Yeah, but a good idea. Yeah, Paid off. Paid off. Yeah, good that's all I'll say for okay, now. Okay, all right. Well, we, we will come back to this. And the starling, I, about which I know nothing. This, it's a really tough one. This stars um, Chris O'Dowd and Melissa McCarthy. So straight away you think, oh, comedy. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw a trailer for this. Yeah. But because of Nine Perfect Strangers, she's obviously pivoting away from, um, in we, which she was pretty good. But Can uh, we just go to Nine Perfect Strangers for a sec? Did you oh, see yeah. the ending I, Yes, I did, yeah. Yeah, kill them all. Uh, uh, that's, that's what I wanted to happen, but uh, unfortunately I, didn't. I felt uh, like that the payoff wasn't great for the investment we put oh, into it. Oh, we'd pulled into who gives a shit about five episodes yeah, ago. True, but, you know, but, we really but, had. But we stuck with it, didn't we? Oh, we did. Of course we did, yeah. And then last night we are all going, why are we feeling this way? But anyway, yeah. um, yes. So we have seen Melissa McCarthy do serious. She does serious with Chris O'Dowd. It is jarring at the start because you think, I've seen you two both in Bridesmaids and now you're mm. doing serious. But the two of them can do serious really well. It's a really tough topic. Basically, they've both lost their, their child. And it's how they're dealing with that, how they're dealing with the grief of losing a child. And Kevin Klein is also involved. Right. He plays a, a vet who used to be a, psycho, a psychologist and 
Melissa McCarthy ends up in his office um, getting counselling from him. And the starling, and this is where it's a bit far-fetched, the starling is this bird that when Melissa McCarthy's character decides to actually go do up her garden, starts attacking her. And okay. that's what brings her into the vet's office. Yeah. And why so, is is the starling going, you stop being funny 12 movies ago? <laughs> Possibly. And they just weren't reading the, right. reading the signs. Yeah. Uh, okay, that, that that makes a lot of sense. And we're doing, uh, is it French wines we're doing today? Yeah, we're doing really, really classic wines. So we've got yeah. a Macon Village from a producer called Le Grappin. And then we have Brulier de Becheville, which is a, a Bordeaux. So Bordeaux red. And these are these are two of the iconic classics from around the world. Yeah, indeed. It's Friday. Friday. It's Friday. Why not? Uh, Paul says, two weeks ago, I texted in about the Alpinist and no one had heard of it. I saw it in Liffey Valley last night. I cannot stress how impactful this film was. Free Solo is like an episode of The Wiggles compared to this. The emotional human element of the film is incredible. Just watch it. Okay, and I think Free Solo was about, you know, people climbing and stuff. Yeah, I haven't seen either one of those. No, no, totally no, over my head. Out. Sorry, Sorry listener. Maybe it's a kind of a climbing thing that you have to be uh, uh, interested in or interested in the Wiggles. I haven't seen the Wiggles either. Uh, do, they, <laughs> do they climb things? I don't as really know. As far as I'm aware, no, but yeah. again, outside uh, of the age of Well, we don't know what the Wiggles do. They presumably wiggle. Uh, the Wiggles are the, as the name would imply. They're, they're the Australian kids band. Yeah. Uh, they're a kids show in Australia. There were oh. four of them. The Yellow Wiggle, the Green Wiggle, the Purple Wiggle. And wake up, Jeff! Right. But now there's, I think there's about eight or nine Wiggles now. Oh, my so they, God. Yeah. Right. So they're not They've diversified. Yeah. No. No. Okay. Uh, that's presumably what this... Wow, you know a lot about the Wiggles. Congratulations. Well done. <laughs> they're uh, Australian. <laughs> uh, they are Australian, of course. Right. So there's another Britney uh, documentary coming. What's it going to tell us that we don't know already in tedious detail? Yeah. Did anyone ask? Like, yeah. I just... I have no appetite for this, but seemingly Netflix thinks we do um, this is coming to the streaming service later this month and it's Britney versus Spears and it looks to delve into the conservatorship a bit more obviously she's been under it for the last 13 years there seems to be a bit of movement there in terms of the dad stepping down and everything else and obviously mm. she recently got engaged it all seems to be kind of going more positively um, she's not involved in this which is kind of one of my biggest gripes with it They've said that it's kind of that it's going to look at the conservatorship and look at her life without utilizing the traumatic images that have previously defined her, which was kind of a pop at the New York Times and the Framing Britney doc that came out earlier mm. this year, which seems like eight thousand years ago at this point. Um, out September twenty eighth. I don't know if I, I say I probably won't watch. I kind of don't want to watch, but I probably will watch out of curiosity anyway. But I'm just like, of course you will. Of yeah. course I will. I don't know. I'm. I just. No, I don't know what else they're going to get into. Beyond now, there was some like confidential kind of. Uh, memos that I think the director got that are featured, but even then, that kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth with the whole thing. I don't know. They can, but they can make out. Oh, it's not about the way that she was uh, uh, portrayed in Framing Britney, but of course, it's about that yeah. because yeah. that's that's why people will watch it. Yeah, exactly. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that wouldn't the Alpinist be mainly about muse, muesli, uh, Richard wants to know. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, that would be interesting. Actually, seeing that we did uh, uh, mention the Wiggles. Uh, the other uh, uh, exciting, huge exciting Hollywood news is that the Teletubbies are bringing out a new album. Yeah, I mean, yeah. music is saved, guys. Wow, I'm really excited about <laughs> that. Music yeah. is Is this saved. going to be like vinyl and, and you know, kind of specially oh, coloured, so. hairy vinyl? They're very, oh, I would buy that, I think, yeah. purely out of curiosity. Yeah. But yeah, they were kind of, they were, they were on social trying to get a collab with like Lil Nas X, obviously, because he just released Montero last week and it seemed to be some poor social media intern being like, hey, Lil Nas, want to do a song with us? And it's, I don't know, 
I but like Peppa Pig broke records in the UK and here I think with her album Pitchfork gave it a very favourable review, review. so <laughs> I mean <laughs> stranger things have happened right you know? okay so uh, is it just themselves and not doing any collabs with anyone it's just themselves as far as I know for the minute but I mean who knows but Coldplay are releasing their ninth studio album on the same day <gasps> that's a brave conspiracy have you ever seen them doing this that's a brave move by Coldplay I've got to say right let's move on to our first wine of the day Mick tell us about it this is definitely not a Coldplay wine. This is this is okay. quite an interesting wine, actually. So this is Macon Village uh, by a producer called Le Grappan. Um, that's Andrew and Emma Nielsen from... Andrew's from Australia and Emma's from England. And they half their years between Bone in Burgundy and then in between London as well. So they, um, they have a pretty cool life, making wine down in Burgundy and then heading back and running a market stall in Broccoli in southeast uh, London. Who makes money from that? I don't know. But, yeah. but, but to me, it's like... It's one of the few times a winemaker is actually seeing the reaction of the people that they're selling the wine to. Because yeah. usually it goes through all these different channels before it gets to the, to the person who's actually drinking it. So they'll have, they'll have to field any complaints the following Saturday if, if they don't <laughs> like the wine, which I, which I think is genius. Um, but the guys make uh, mainly Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. This is Chardonnay and uh, really stone-fruited, soft kind of style, but with a real mineral background. So this will appeal to like Chablis lovers and things like that. Their Pinots are absolutely delicious. They make Savigny and Bone and these are definitely guys to work to look out for. They also do Beaujolais and Beaujolais is, is the thing that I have drank most of during lockdown probably more than water um, <laughs> because it is just so so drinkable light yeah. bright red wine sticking in the fridge yeah I could go for a glass of that right yeah. now okay well maybe we'll be doing that shortly will we no we're actually doing Bordeaux oh, okay wow Nick your segues yeah. are a disaster <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be uh, doing Nick's second favourite wine uh, later on in the show uh, given your kind comments about Coldplay the band you used to be in what, what kind of a band was that oh no Mick, ain't, Mick trades on his pretty boy good looks obviously but, and his knowledge of wine but also his, his musical talent go on um, we, we were just a Coldplay rip-off band with distortion yeah. pedals. Yeah. What were they called, by the way? Uh, we were called Pilot Light. Pilot Light. Mm. You know what to Google right now. <laughs> they're in the box. Uh, right, what movie would you like to talk about first, Serena? Uh, let's go with The Sopranos. Let's oh, go with The Sopranos. Yeah. Coming up after this. What do you want, Richard? I'll be honest with you. I want to do a good deed. Anthony got kicked out of school. I went through all that trouble. And for what? I'm always being accused. You gotta be good. I want to do whatever I can to help the family. I I know you can get anything. Look at Dickie Moltisanti. He steps up, takes care of his family, takes care of all the business. If anybody tells anybody about this... What are you doing on your merit badges? I want to do all kinds of good things. It's the one thing. Pain comes from always wanting things. But what do I know? I'm a murderer. There you go. That's The Many Saints of Newark, the uh, Sopranos prequel. It's very ex- like listening to that trailer. I got very excited, and I have to say, I'm not a huge Sopranos fan. I sort of dipped in and out. Um, I know what's happened along the way. It was just for me too gory. I'll probably go back and watch now. Um, this 
is going back to Anthony when he's a high school student and you're, you know that he's part of this really well-known mob um, family who have taken on New... I can't say the word. New, New York. Newark. Thank Newark. you. Yeah. That, that county. Yeah. Um, and then um, Dickie's dad mysteriously disappears. Okay. Right. I'm not going to tell you how that happens. Okay. But Dickie then becomes the head. He's stepped up and he's become the head of the, the family. Um, but what happens in all of this is they've got the the sole run of New, New, Newark. New, thank you. Just call it the yeah. end place yeah, for the right. rest of the um, yeah. and But then a rival crew come in. And so it's looking at that. It's also looking at how Dickie is is um, handling the mob, is handling his personal life. And then Anthony is the main character. But what I found with this this show is that this film is that I went to a screening last night. It was packed. Well, as packed as we can get now for COVID times. But it was a 5.30 screening and most screenings have sold out. So if you do want to go see this, Definitely book in advance. There's no just turning up and hoping for a seat because they're all gone. Um, I just found at the start, all I kept doing was I was looking for the Soprano clues. So it's like, oh, that's so-and-so and that leads to so-and-so. So I think you can watch this as a standalone gangster film, but you'll probably be, be disappointed because they haven't gone gangster. Like if you're going yeah, to a gangster yeah. film, you're expecting all-out gangster. You're not getting that. You're getting the the subtleness, and I can't believe I'm using subtleness and Sopranos in the same sentence, ah, but yeah. there was a subtleness to the TV series, right? So yeah. they tried to bring that across to the screen, and it's not really working. I really thought that this should have been a two-hour pilot episode for the series that HBO are definitely going to make. Now, that's a rumour. I don't know. Um, but I, I really do think that... It was missing something by not being a TV show. I felt like everything was squashed and crammed into the two hours. And so while we got to see a lot, we got to see nothing. It wasn't a gangster film. It wasn't The Sopranos. It was a bit of everything. Does that make sense? Mm. So, yeah, the acting was, like, as I was saying before, Michael Gandolfini, what a tough job for him, you know, not only stepping into your father's shoes, but your father who's no longer here, so he's become even more of an icon than he would have been if he was here. He was brilliant. The whole way through, I just wanted to give him this this big hug. Um, we see, uh, as I said, we see Dicky, Uncle Dicky, who he has spoken about a lot during the series. It is all about him. I loved, who was the actor? The actor in that was fantastic. As I said as well, um, Ray Liotta, I felt was underused. I don't know, if you're seeing a gangster film, I want to see Ray Liotta being really gangster. Mm. And and you're not seeing that in here. I can't tell you why, because that's um, a spoiler. A, a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was good. I feel I think because it's the Sopranos, we just attach. Uh, we expect something better from it, and I don't feel I got it. That said, if I did sit down and watch it for two hours on TV for the start of a prequel to the Sopranos, I think I probably would have enjoyed it more. I really do think, even if they go back to the very beginning and redo the film, I think this should have been an eight to ten part HBO series. And not necessarily a movie. Okay, so it, it, it's not the the well. Obviously, we know stuff happens after this, but yeah. so but is the film itself a discrete unit in the sense that it's wrapped up at the end? Oh my god, the ending is terrible. <laughs> ah, right. Okay, are we talking Nine Perfect Strangers territory here? No, yeah. not that terrible. But I just went. 
is that really how we're going to end it? Um, I will say for it, like to its to its benefit, is it's two hours long. So, like, I was really worried that it was going to go for two and a half hours. No, so they wrapped it up in two hours, but I, I just felt in the end, because I knew it was two hours, I felt that that last 30 minutes was really, really rushed. It was really slow to take off and then mm. really rushed at the end. But, look, if you're a Sopranos fan, what I'm saying is going to be mean absolutely ah, nothing. You're going to watch you're it anyway. You're going to go and watch it. Well, no, well, of course you're going to watch it, but you might be bitterly disappointed by it. You, and you, that I would be a terrible thing to experience. I don't know if you'll be bitterly disappointed because you can see the the positives of this film, mm. right? But I just think you may feel, do you know what? You, you, you're going to feel cheated because you're going to feel that if they were going to do this, they could have done so much better. They just, right. it should have been a TV series. I don't think, especially because we know how The Sopranos played out as well. There is no way that The Sopranos could have been a two hour film. So, what makes you think that the prequel can be a two hour film? Okay, fair point. Yeah. If uh, you've never seen The Sopranos. No, I have seen Sopranos. I know, but if, oh, if a person sorry. has never seen The Sopranos, let's say, for instance, for the sake of argument, pretty boy here, uh, <laughs> uh, too busy getting drunk and playing music, has never seen The Sopranos, goes to see this movie, uh, what... Uh, um, I think you'll be fine. Will he be confused? No, no, no. I think you'll be completely fine. You don't need to... They have tried to make it a standalone, but I think if you are going to see a gangster film... You're going to be disappointed because there are, don't get me wrong, I was so thankful to be sitting at the back of the cinema because the the shocks are still there. You know, those deaths that you see in The Sopranos where you go, there is no way they're going to kill that person. And that was what was so great about The Sopranos, that it was real. That person that you came to love was gone. Yeah. That was happening. And I was just like, I was, there was the, <gasps> the whole time and there was, there was some gruesomeness as well. So like, they've got it, but they just don't quite have it all. Yeah, but I suppose yeah. In a in a film like this, you kind of know certain people are going to survive anyway. If there's somebody who appears in the in this film you've never heard of before, you go. It's like the third guy who beams down from the Enterprise. You know, you always know what's going to happen to them. Do you know what? Completely, but not really, because there's not enough. Because this is so far back, there's not enough connection to those who were in the Sopranos. Like right. it's more about Tony's life and Uncle Dickie. Right, I'm not going to tell you what happens to Uncle Dickie. We know he's not around for The Sopranos, but I'm not going to tell you if he is or isn't in this film. Um, yeah, I just, I just wish we just had some more. But I, as I said, I there was some part of me though that enjoyed being there and enjoyed seeing this back on screen because it is such a phenomenal TV series. Mm. So yeah. it, it's just. But look, HBO are involved in this, so. Don't be surprised if this time next year we're talking about the TV series and I really mm. do hope that they revisit some of what happened in the film and I really do hope that Michael Gandolfini is the star because he was phenomenal. Right. He was great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Connor says, I've never seen a single episode of The Sopranos. Should I go and see it? Now, should he go and see it or should he concentrate on losing his virginity? <laughs> Connor, do you know what? Will you go and see it and tell us how you felt about it yeah. not having seen it? Yeah, but I'd be uh, I'd be interested in how option B goes as well. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, speaking of, uh, I suppose this is not really what you call a prequel, a kind of prequel. Uh, they're going to make a movie about Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, and Lawrence Fox is going to play him. Now, that smells to me like hit piece uh, if they're getting Lawrence Fox to do it. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence Fox, well known for his uh, radical left wing views. <laughs> I mean, just put this again under like who asked for this. Yeah. So there's, um, as you said, a film coming coming out. It's My Son Hunter and he's playing Hunter Biden. 
in the movie and announced the news on Twitter as he always does saying that he was uncancelled because he was cast in this and like was delighted because mainstream media can't suppress this and everything else blah 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 the usual I loathe the man I cannot even deal with this but as you said yeah I think this he's fully being set up here with this even though he's delighted about this role um, it's directed by who's it Robert Davi um, who's an actor turned singer turned radio host turned director <laughs> Um, who described Fox as not just a great actor, but a brilliant mind. So I think both of those statements Mm. should tell you everything that you need to know about this before it even happens. Um, The script is from uh, Mary Documentarians and McElhenney and Phelan McAleer. Um, And it kind of follows, uh, obviously, his life and coming up and the the addictions he suffered and everything like that. I, I could not want to watch this any less. Any less right, between, but, not even just with Lawrence's involvement. I just uh, don't know. But presumably, all the stuff about Hunter Biden and directorships of companies and wherever the hell it was supposed to be and uh, um, uh, peddling influence yeah. to the dad. That's what this is about. Really, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I don't well, know. I suppose he's getting a bit of work. Well, people yeah, people for get him, work. Yeah. You know. If it gets him off the computer, then yeah. who am I to begrudge yeah, him, to so be honest? It, so it's, uh, and pro- possibly of more interest to people, uh, Derry Girls is, you know, not surprisingly, you're going to have another series, but it's going to be the last one. What series is this? Uh, this is, uh, it's going to end with series Dairy three. Girls. Yeah, yes, Dairy sorry, Girls. Yeah, Dairy Girls, yes. It's the, sorry, yeah, the upcoming series that. is the, yeah. I thought you said the Earls or something. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, Dairy Girls is finishing with the third season and um, will be disappointing for fans. Obviously, kind of seemed like the right thing to do though because obviously it is a coming of age story and mm. even Lisa McGee, she came out, the creator, she came out on Twitter and said that they'd never planned to bring it past season three but for that reason. She did say she might revisit the characters further down the line in a different guise, but like this, it's it's done. Like this is this is the last season, so expect that on our screen soon. Yeah, because and we can assume that means them leaving school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is probably uh, no great shock. Uh, someone uh, says, uh, just give Siobhan McSweeney the Nun her own standalone series. That's all. Well, she, she's presenting that every. That would be good. She's presenting every show on Channel Four at the moment, so yeah, she's probably she's, too busy doing that. She's in the new Graham Norton that adaptation holding. That's coming right. up soon, and then okay. obviously like Nicola Collin is like very busy with Bridgerton. Um, the rest of them are all doing other equally big bits I just can't remember off the top of my head they're all busy like they're all doing yeah. their own things so it kind of makes sense that this would be a natural kind of cut off point for them you know so yeah. uh, Brian wants to know will the Sopranos movie end on a sudden cut to black for a few seconds and then the credits roll on in silence like the TV show did I assume not that's what I thought when I was watching I was just like oh wow is this revisiting is this an homage yeah. to the TV show but it didn't. I'm not telling. Okay, all right, okay, gosh, yeah. Because I remember when that happened and like there were, there were literally people wrote uh, like 20,000 word yeah. articles explaining what happened in the, in the final few. Like, And it, was, it wasn't like nonsense. It was like very uh, well-observed stuff. Yeah. Uh, so not a lot of thought went into it. Uh, someone else says, glad to hear I'm not the only one who hasn't seen The Sopranos. I don't know why. I've never watched it because I love gangster movies. Do I start from the start now or just forget about it? Uh, I assume you mean the series. Um, I should think they should go on. Definitely, and, and... yeah. I, I mean, it's a big commitment. What, did it run for 10 seasons or am I making that up? It no, ran it's for like six or seven, six I think. Six or seven, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's still, but see, in those days, seasons were like 22 episodes long. That's so true. it's a yeah. big commitment, mm. but we're going into winter. This might be the right time for you to do it. As soon as the next lockdown comes. Mm. Six seasons, yeah. Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, yeah, of course it will. Uh, and uh, actually, does the movie feature the, the, the theme song that was... No. 
No, okay. I was just wondering about that. Yeah, really. no. But do you know what? <laughs> I did walk in as the first scene started, so I missed <sighs> the opening credit. Like you missed I, the key scene that probably explains everything. You know. No, no, I saw every scene, but I just don't know if before that, like the title starring, you yeah. know, that that bit I missed. So. Yeah. Uh, Connor's texted back in to say, ironically, I lost my virginity in the backseat of the cinema while watching The Godfather Part 3. <laughs> well, if you were watching oh The Godfather, gosh. you weren't doing it properly, Connor. That's all I can tell you. And uh, Shane on Twitter says, Pilot Light, what does that rhyme with? You mean thing. We're going to take a commercial break. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. Uh, back with more... <laughs> Don't leave, Mick. Uh, with, with more movies and more wine. I thought maybe we could go up to the lake again when you get home, you know, for the fourth. Sure. That's fun, right? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be just like it was, like nothing ever happened. I didn't say that. No, no I know. I... No, but that is why I'm here, isn't it? I'm I'm supposed to just go back to being my good old self and we can all get on with our lives. It's just going to take time, that's all. No, don't, don't. Please. Man, you, you really think that time is going to make all of this okay? It's going to make us okay? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we can't stay here like this. This is not good. I know. But I don't know how I fit anymore. I don't know how we fit, how any of it works. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not like you, Lily. Right, uh, that's Chris O'Dowd and Melissa McCarthy in The Starling, which is on Netflix, is that it's, right? It's available on Netflix now. It is a really tough watch. I mean, any film that's dealing with the loss of a child is a really tough watch. Um, this takes place in middle America a year after they've lost their baby to it seems like they never specifically say but it sounds like they that they've lost their child to sudden infant death syndrome okay um and it's just it deals with grief and how the couple both are dealing with it differently they're both devastated but Melissa McCarthy's character is able to grieve as well as live her life whereas um Chris O'Dowd's character has just fallen to pieces, which is totally understandable, and he's mm. ended up in a mental health facility. So um, I was talking to John Fardy about this. He presents screen time here on News Talk. I've met him, yes. Met him? yes, yes. Vaguely <laughs> aware of him, yes. Actually, yeah. He waves from a distance and I have my people hold him back. Yes. And actually, well, while we mentioned John Fardy, I forgot to mention that he actually interviewed the whole cast of... The Many Saints of Newark. Newark, yeah. And if you missed it, there's a podcast available yeah. now. So well, I think some... he talked to David Chase uh, as well. Yeah, so that. like that's if you missed it and you are a fan, you're going to want to mm. go back to that. But anyway, back to the Starling. Um, we spoke about this and I was saying it's a really hard one to review because you watch it and you are, you're involved and you're going, yep, I, I see what's happening. This is really sad and stuff. But when it finishes, I was watching it with my husband. We both just looked at each other and went, oh, I don't know. Did that work? Didn't it work? Mm. I thought when you're dealing with a subject matter like this, do you remember Marriage Story? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the way it looked at divorce and it was harrowing and it was tough. I thought maybe we were going to look at grief through a couple's eyes. Not that I, you know. It's something that I enjoy watching, but I thought that's what we were going to get from the Starling, and we didn't. Um, it was, I think, the reason why this worked is it goes without saying. Now we all know that Melissa McCarthy is a great comedic actress, but as a dramatic performer, she is just fabulous, and the way that she can bring—that's what they do with the Starling as well, because it is, you know, it's it's horrific um, subject matter we're talking about here. But the way that they subtly bring comedy into this. 
is beautiful as well. I love, I just loved watching Melissa on, McCarthy on screen with Chris, Chris O'Dowd when they shared the screen. The chemistry really lit up the screen. Um, it's when the bird was introduced. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> understand. Like, there's this starling, right? Is it like a metaphor? I think it is. And now I, I love what Mick said. I'm going to steal his line. It, it's like this film is Bridesmaids meets uh, Alfred Hitchcock, right? <laughs> because <laughs> it's all about uh, Melissa and Chris were in Bridesmaids together. The fact mm. that I have to explain this means it didn't really work. Um, <laughs> but they're in Bridesmaids together. And then there's this bird who just keeps attacking Melissa McCarthy's character, when she's in her front garden, she's decided one night that, you know, things need to change and she's going to rebuild her front garden. But there's just this bird that keeps attacking her. And starlings apparently need to be in a couple and it's he's lo- he or she has lost its way and they need to find their other person. And she, and they feel under threat with Melissa McCarthy there. This brings her to this vet who used to be a counsellor but left the counselling business because it was too much. But everyone who's actually turning up to And he became a vet. Yeah, but it's really funny because everyone who turns up to the vet's office turns up with their pet, but he ends up counselling them more than anything else. And so he and Melissa McCarthy end up just having chats and stuff. I just... There was just something that just didn't work. He felt like, you know, they were brave to tackle this subject. And then it's almost like, mm, this is this is too much. We're going to pull back. So I, I just felt it didn't do probably what it should have done. Was the starling her grief? Was it the starling of grief or, or, no. or what was preventing her from moving on? I do, and I think that's what they were trying to tell us, right? But I, I, I just, I couldn't put two and two together. The starling just felt so disconnected from mm. this whole thing that I just, I didn't get any time the bird came into shot, I laughed, and I don't know if I was okay. meant to laugh. Did she bring the starling to the vet? She did bring the starling. So, so she was attacked by the starling. She yeah. turned vicious on the starling, re, re, um, regretted her actions to the starling, and took it to the vet to save the starling. So it is. There's a metaphor in there about saving themselves and all of that as well. Yeah. But do you know what? At the same time as well, there's a bit of schmaltziness to this that I didn't really need. Yeah. And that sort of let it down. Yeah, it's, it's, from what you from your description, when you're you're treating with a subject matter that's so grave, yeah, uh, really, that if it doesn't do that kind of subject matter complete justice, then it's kind of manipulating you, really, uh, and and it's kind of making you feel well. I had to like it because it's about the death of a child. So uh, and you kind of feel guilty about saying mm, that was a bit crap. Actually, and, and and I think I think you've hit the nail on the head because seriously, there's now three people who've like John Fardy. My husband, myself, like it just ended, and we're just like, oh, I don't know. And I think because the performances by Kevin Klein, I love seeing Kevin Klein back on screen again. Mm. But like Kevin Klein, Melissa McCarthy, Chris O'Dowd, all people you connect more with comedy, actually. Exactly. Yeah. But and that's why I think it was great to see them. Just they're they're actors who turn whoever they are um, portraying on screen. They make them human. And so we automatically connected to these people and felt for these people and poured our emotions into these people. And I just felt that maybe it was the script that let it down. And again, like the the many saints of Newark, yeah. Um, I I think they just ended it because they didn't know how to end it, and it was just like, okay, let, let's rush it here. Let's now the many saints of Newark isn't um, schmaltzy or anything, yeah. but yeah. you know, at the end, it just gets a bit too schmaltzy for my liking. Right. Okay. But maybe that's all what we all yeah. needed after well, such I a mean, serious I, subject I, I matter. I think it's fair enough. I mean, the, the, those three leads are all very fine actors, and Chris yeah. O'Dowd is. I th- really liked him in, in Get Shorty, uh, and which 
He spent wasn't his, entirely this comedic. This is the first thing he's done in ages as well, isn't it? Yeah. In terms of like he was doing a lot of theatre and stuff. Yeah, he's doing theatre at the moment in in London. But yeah, I and yeah, and comedy is hard, and so is drama. But the three of those actors have been able to give yeah. us everything. And as I said, make them not feel like caricatures. Make them actually feel like real human beings that we care about. But yeah, I think yeah, if they were going to do this. They should have done, and as hard and as tough as it would have been, I think they should have gone down the route of marriage story because yeah. that's what felt no, well, that's this probably, merited. Yeah, that's not down to them, really. Probably no, no, the, the producers. The yeah. um, has Chris O'Dowd ever attempted not to do an Irish accent in anything? He tried. Do you remember <laughs> Bridesmaid? He was terrible. Oh he yeah, he did. He was the, the cop. Yeah, cop. he was an American cop. And it then, wasn't great. And yeah. then halfway through it, it was almost like they said to him, "Drop the accent." Yeah. It was yeah. terrible. He, he was so definitely yeah. second. We'll just write a line in yeah. there. Oh, I forgot. I'm Irish. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> but Been all right. But now. do you know what? At least he's playing to. Talk. At least he knows he's a really good actor. Yeah. Who's not great at accents? So just oh, make no, his grand. character. Yeah. Make his character Irish because he's a fabulous actor, and I will watch anything he does. Yeah, indeed. Let's, rock. Uh, let's, uh, um, he's the voice in Puffin Rock, which is a, a, oh, a kids' he? show that was oh, done. I didn't know that. And he's brilliant. So, when, when I, I used to live in London and my daughter was born there, and we were watching a lot of Peppa Pig, so she was getting the mummy, and I was going, My <laughs> daughter not. cannot grow up with this <laughs> accent. So, I was on the RTE player trying to find things Puffin Rock, Chris O'Dowd, and she sounds normal. It's perfect. <laughs> All right, very good. Yeah. I did a voiceover once for a kids' show, the name of which I can't remember. Uh, uh, but what character were you? I well, that was the thing. I was. <laughs> they made me Mr. Moon, the only bald character in the whole thing. That was British. actually I meant to sue them under equality legislation or something. Uh, anyway, let's move on to our second wine of the day, Mick. Brulier de Bechevel. So this is third wine of a very, very, very grand name in Bordeaux, and that is Chateau Bechevel, a fourth growth in Saint Julien. This happens. Now, what does that mean, fourth growth? So in Bordeaux and on the left bank of Bordeaux. So if you look at the map, everything to the left of the river is the left bank in Bordeaux and tends to be Cabernet Sauvignon dominated, um, whereas on the right bank it tends to be Merlot dominated. But there was a a kind of a pyramid of quality put in a classification system in 1855 that put things into growths. Mm. So it was the first growths were the best wines and therefore could charge the most money, and all the way down to fifth growths. So, but anything usually on that pyramid of quality is able to maintain quite a high price. It doesn't necessarily go hand in hand that a classification done, you know, 150 years ago is still accurate today. But in some ways it is because they get to maintain their price and therefore can keep investing into the Chateau. Yeah. But anyway, this particular one, Chateau Bechevel, um, it's famous for, it has a it has a boat on the label. There was an admiral um, in the French Navy who retired into this beautiful estate that is just on the bend as you go up through the villages in Bordeaux. And as you come into Saint-Julien, you see this estate and it has um, gardens sculpted by the same guy who did Versailles. And it is absolutely okay. stunning, rolling down to the down to the river. But this is the the third wine, and it's on. It's actually in Haute Medoc as opposed to Saint Julien, so it's one kind of commune down. But it's literally there's a a tiny dirt track between Saint Julien and Haute Medoc. But the beauty of that is you pay way, way, way less for this than you would for the big wine. So the, <laughs> well, we're talking like two meters, <laughs> two meters, yeah. as in literally flick a coin across yeah. the road kind of stuff. And it's all organic viticulture. The, the way that and it's made in the exact same place. Everything is done in the same way. You just end up paying thirty-five euros for a bottle like this. And 
and it would be 175 for the big chateau. Crikey. So, um, but again, the big chateau has all the cachet and the name and all of these things. But in terms of style, this is really, really classic Bordeaux, cedar, spice, cassis. I mean, these are like, these are delicious wines. Mm, this is a lovely wine. Oh, this is actually, yeah, I wasn't that, I know Serena didn't like the white wine that much, but uh, um, she thought it was soapy. Um <laughs> weird as long uh, as it's good uh, soap that's okay yeah, it's good soap that's a good thing but uh, um, but I really like that that's delicious and, and, yeah. and so so food friendly you can do this with pretty much anything on the kind of do it with a barbecue or steak or any of those kind of things it would be absolutely delicious or for the veggies do like portobello mushrooms anything that's kind of rich in umami these are brilliant mm. brilliant wines this is the kind of wine that reminds me why Bordeaux got me into wine in the first place and people's tastes change all the time but like I don't drink Bordeaux a lot but now when I go back to it I'm like oh god I should drink more Bordeaux and yeah. this is the kind of wine that reminds me of that yeah. and again by Bordeaux standards this is pretty accessible price wise where you know the famous names in Bordeaux now you won't get much change from 200 quid in general for, for famous names yeah so I think this is it's it's worth looking out for second wines and third wines from the major estates because because they represent really really good value for these classes. Yeah, wines. so that is that is what thirty five quid. It's thirty five quid. Yeah, it's not it, but it's still kind of it's it's pretty special occasion type stuff. It's, we're it's talking definitely about. weekend wine, yeah. but I mean it is it is bloody good. Yeah, weekend wine. Yeah, <laughs> what strange language have you lapsed into, uh, a funny looking man? Friday, uh, Saturday, <laughs> weekend wine. Come on, uh, um, Pete Kinsella is that name? For no. Way, yeah, way. way. I've only made the connection this second to the wine expert Mick O'Connell and his band Pilot Light. They were a superb band. Saw them play as Polar many times in Dublin. Great musicians and great songs. Please say hello to Mick for me. Hi, Pete. Yeah. So Mick are you wearing the same colour as the wine? Yes, he has. Were you previously called Polar? Yeah, yeah. We what happened? Why did you change your name or did somebody leave? Because we were young and very, very naive and we moved to London and we were getting associations with cold bands like Coldplay and Snow Patrol and we were like, we, we need to be hot now. Pilot light. Hot. <laughs> right. Gas boilers. Heat. <laughs> okay. So that was the basis on which uh, on which record labels would kind of... We, we, we drank a lot in London and <laughs> yes. uh, to be honest, we didn't even do a gig for about a year because we were just on the lash. We were kids. It was great. Yeah, fantastic. Let's go to London and get drunk. Get a record contract in maybe a year's <laughs> time or so. Right. Okay, so Tiger King 2 is coming, Fanula. Yeah, this list of How things that nobody wants yeah. just keeps getting longer and longer. Yeah, so obviously Netflix announced like a slate of new docs and Tiger King 2 is one of them. We should be getting it towards the end of the year. Um, or and it's I mean it's supposed to like pick up kind of from where the first one left off speaking of lockdown like this is how we know another one is coming because Tiger King 2 is coming out um, I don't think Carol Baskin is actually she's featured in the trailer there's clips of her but um, the guys behind it so it's Eric Good and Rebecca Chacklin they're they're returning from the first one um, but I think they'd had a falling out themselves and Carol I think they'd come back to kind of clear the air because she obviously wasn't happy about how she was portrayed in the first one and she went back and said like she thought it was going to be what was what's the the whale documentary that made SeaWorld look really bad she thought it was a blackfish oh, she yeah. thought it was going to be that kind of a documentary about yeah. like the big cat industry and stuff but she said it was just a hit piece so she I think she did film stuff for it but she's not endorsing it and fully is totally against this obviously like Joe Exotic is still in jail serving the sentence he had for trying like that murder plot against Baskin Um, but in the meantime obviously he was engaged that engagement has since finished so assuming these will all feature in this second documentary 
Right. Does anyone want it? Like the first one no. was sort of just, I think because we were so in shock that we're in lockdown, we sort of just attached Song ourselves to it. To it. Yeah. yeah, but like I have no interest in this. But it was kind of is. like the shock of them being hideous yeah. people was, yeah, but no, that's but gone now. now. Who cares? That's the thing. Like I don't, other than the things that I just said, and even then they're kind of minor. If you compare it to what happened in, in the first series, I don't know. Again, I think because it is that like that name and I think there will still be a curiosity from a legal kind of true crime perspective for, to see what what's going to happen with Joel because obviously he's flat out trying to get out of jail. Um, I think people will watch for that reason but like this is actually one that I'm not going to watch. Like I just, yeah. I don't care. Okay. I do, especially not over. If they're going to do it as long as season one, absolutely not. If it was like a one parter, I might tune in but... It's not. It's not no, be like wait, you'd be too busy watching the Brit- uh, the Britney documentary <laughs> the Britney and, and listening to your Teletubbies album. That's uh, <laughs> uh, and this was like there was a load of kerfuffle on uh, on Twitter about this. Super Mario Brothers have uh, uh, revealed their cast, and there was some whole thing. Why didn't Danny DeVito? Wasn't he? In- is he included or is he not included? No. So people are mad because the the the, the voice cast of the Super Mario movie um, basically doesn't feature any Italian American actors. So we have Chris Pratt as Mario, the worst, the worst casting ever. Um, Charlie Day, who people know from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, he's Luigi, which I kind of love. I, mm. I'm vibing with that. Um, you've Seth Rogen is coming in as uh, Donkey Kong, I think. Uh, Jack Black is Bowser. Anya Taylor-Joy from Queen's Gambit is going to be Peach. Like, people are mad about this. It's And I think it's, I think it's kind of the Italian-American thing. I think some of that criticism is also a bit tongue-in-cheek. But I think it's also like... I don't know, just these these vo- these big kind of voice actors coming into a movie like this. I just and people are precious about Super Mario as well. You know what I mean? People have ideas about who the character is and what it is, and like I don't see Chris Pratt as an Italian like goofy plumber. Like he's, do you know, he's like oh the superhero hunk. Like you know, I don't get the. It doesn't align for me in my brain, but right. yeah. Are they okay. not going to be Italian? Like, are they going to get rid of the accent? This is the thing they haven't said whether they're going to do accents or not. I kind of hope they don't. But then I if don't they know. Don't, I yeah. would be. I am first in line for this. Damned if they are. Damned if. Movies and booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl, more for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie.